Hello and welcome to the Everyday Problems podcast, a podcast about the problems we face each day as we go about our busy lives. I'm Tom Corneal and my co-host Liam Tarvit and I have had many dealings with depression and anxiety and other related issues and wanted to provide a safe space where we can normalise the conversation around mental health and its impact on everything from the workplace to grief to just getting through the day. I should point out that we're not medical professionals and we don't profess to have all the answers, but we are veterans of the embattled mind and we hope that by sharing our war stories we might shed some light on solutions that could be useful to you or people that you know. This episode was recorded several weeks ago now, apologies it's taken us this long to put it together, but you won't be sorry that you waited. This is one of our most upbeat conversations to date with the wonderful Rebecca Eitzkara. Rebecca's well known for her pottery, but she's also a full-time wedding photographer. Or that is to say she was until the pandemic hit. I wanted to talk to Rebecca about how the pandemic has affected her and what life is like living in a world where you can't get to the thing that normally keeps you afloat. Rebecca's even better known as the host of The Maker's Playbook, an absolutely brilliant podcast for creative people where she talks to predominantly potters and occasionally other creative types about their challenges, lessons and what their life looks like in general. I discovered The Maker's Playbook podcast a little while ago when my wife, Cara Lee Ford, also a potter, was invited to be on the show and soon after Rebecca and I got talking and I was lucky enough to be invited on myself. We had a fantastic chat then and I think you'll agree we've had another fantastic chat today. You'll notice Liam is absent from this one. Liam is absolutely fine. He's got a lot of work on in his day job at the moment but he'll be back with us very very soon. Before we dive into today's show, I just want to bring up one extra topic which would sound odd on any other podcast, but by now, if you've listened for long enough, you'll know that it's a topic that we want to normalise the conversation around, and that is antidepressants. I was prescribed antidepressants fairly recently. Now, I'd like to point out that I'm doing really, really well. In fact, I'm better than I have been in a long time. But it's been a very tough year for the whole of planet Earth and I personally left my career just before the start of the pandemic, opting to live a more creative life and to work on fantastic things like this brilliant podcast. Well, we think it's brilliant anyway. It's been a year of trying to restructure my whole life after leaving a 12-year career in a completely different industry and in a world where the usual opportunities just don't exist at the moment. I know that things will come back to normal and I'm really hopeful and excited for the future but it's been quite a tough old time trying to keep my energy levels up to their normal standards and eventually I felt the need to ask for some chemical help. The reason that I bring this up at the start of the show is Liam and I have talked a lot about antidepressants in the past and their role in keeping us afloat and we want people to know that there's absolutely no shame whatsoever in asking for help. I spoke to my GP and we agreed that as I tried everything else and was still feeling pretty low for quite a long time, it was time to try some chemical assistance. Please speak to your GP if you are struggling, they can help. I did and I'm feeling so much better for having done so, it's like a huge weight has been lifted from my shoulders. So again, please don't worry and we talk about these things because we want you to feel comfortable talking about them as well. Let's normalise that conversation. Anyway, let's get into some happy chat with Rebecca. Hey, Rebecca. How are you doing? Oh, wait, I can't hear you. Why is that happening? Because I was muted. Oh, right. (laughs) That'll do it. And also, let me just make sure that it's pulling from um, the right audio, because I realized on a couple of my own podcast recordings, I had plugged this microphone into like a a USB, like, you know, multiple USB things. Yeah. Which was plugged into the computer, but the computer right. still pulled from the computer audio. So like my audio sounds terrible when everybody else's sounds great. I'm like, cool. Oh man. Well, listen, I mean, that, that whole thing, you know, all too well, the challenges of getting the audio right in a podcast. We stopped using microphones. We actually, so Liam and I just talk straight into the laptop and it's the best quality audio we've had that's yeah. what you did on ours? Yeah. Because yours sounded fantastic. I mean, I'm actually finishing it right now because it goes live uh, this weekend. And oh, it's so easy to record because it's such clean, you know, like I'm just cleaning up little bits, but like there's there's no, huh. No, that was straight in, honestly, because I listened to um, 
I don't know if you, I don't know if this would be a thing where you are, but um, the Adam Buxton podcast is a really big one in the UK. He's, okay. he's very popular. He's a, a TV personality. He was really, really big in the 90s when yeah. we were in our teens and, and you know, absorbing everything. Uh, and he's still a great host and stuff like that. And he talks quite often about different microphones that he's using and compares with other hosts and things like that. And I decided just to pull the microphone out and talk straight into the laptop. And so far, it's been fine. So it's great. Huh. Yeah. I say See, that someone could now be listening at the point where this goes live. Someone's listening to this go. It sounds horrendous. So I don't, I don't know. So far, so good. No one's complaining. Yet. Well, and that was the debate I had too, was like, okay, not that many people are going to have a USB microphone with a pop filter and all this stuff. So don't you want the audio? Wouldn't it be better to have the audio be the same where for both using like a, you know, an Apple headset or whatever you know yeah yeah but anyway the one thing i would say actually if i say this now this saves me having to remember to put it in an intro at the beginning um the one audio thing that we might get uh is that you won't know of this now and neither will i but with zoom we do occasionally get this weird time lag thing where one of us turns into a robot for a moment or two but people seem to be cool with it it's not a problem that's big enough with what limited time we have to put this stuff together that we need to we felt the need to address it so far so yep i've had it happen cool yep and i'm i'm on an ethernet so hopefully that instead of wi-fi so hopefully that awesome we make we make no promises because the construction that was happening like a month ago that we were trying to avoid is still happening so they could just knock out the internet in the middle of this you know it's a great time. Well, that is the joy of real life, isn't it? That's, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, um, okay. So thank you for coming and talking to me today. I've been really yeah. looking forward to this, partly because we've needed, we've, we've been so busy. You and I have both needed to keep on kicking this down the stream. Yeah. Uh, God knows yeah. how many times. Um, and uh, yeah, I've been really, really looking forward to, to chatting with you. I've got, if I'm looking away, oh, I'm, I'm, doing this we're doing this we're talking to each other through a video but obviously this is going out on a podcast where people won't, won't realize that i'm being very rude and i'm looking away from you at some questions and things that no i've written down already um so uh, i initially discovered you rebecca through my wife cara um yep. because she's a potter and you also are a potter um and you're active on social media and you also have a absolutely genuinely brilliant podcast which i say unreservedly i love it i just as i say i discovered it through cara because you interviewed her a little while ago for it um it's called the maker's playbook and i wondered if first of all you could tell us a little bit about your podcast what's it all about yeah sure thank you that's so generous of you um it, it the the tagline is conversations about what it's really like to make a living from the things that we make so it's all about that trying to take the filter off instagram really right like there's tons of makers and artists and creatives out in the world now because of social media which is wonderful that they're they're making a go of this business but it doesn't really give you an insight into what's it actually like to sell your pots on the internet like car is doing or how does she make that work like who uh, you know, how many pots is she really selling? People on, people on Instagram are always talking about being sold out when they launch a shop update and they're sold out. And my immediate question was, well, are you making 15 or are you making 500? You know, these are really big differences. Um, so it, it started, uh, honestly, thanks to COVID, there's no way the podcast would exist without it because for the past 11 years, I've worked as a wedding photographer and as one might imagine, that slowed down a little bit (laughs) over the course of this last year. Um, And about three or four years ago, I had taken back up pottery as a side hobby. And being in the entrepreneur world, of course, any hobby you start doing, you immediately start start thinking about like how you can monetize it. Unfortunately, it's just your brain is just tapped into this way of thinking so much for better, for worse. And so, you know, I was kind of looking around the maker's world, trying to figure out how this was all working and um, then dug even deeper on that, met my husband through ceramics. He's a full-time professional 
six years of production experience kind of thing. So we're trying to start his business. And so it was like, okay, how do we, this is totally different than photography. How do we really make this work? So on the one hand, I started the podcast because I wanted to help other artists. The business side of things has always come very naturally to me. It's weird. Everybody in the creative and the arts world look at me like I'm a total freak, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> because I like systems. I like you know, math doesn't throw me off, all of that kind of stuff. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I know I'm, I'm strange. It's okay. <laughs> but, um, but then also on the flip side, you know, wanting to try and break down those things for people and make it easier, not make it so scary and make what I saw so much from the arts world is the people who it's, we love what we do. And so we put up with a lot of less than great situations because we love what we do right you've got you've experienced this around christmas time every maker on the planet is pulling 14 hour days just trying to keep up and you have to because that's your biggest sales quarter but you also didn't start trying to make a living from what you make and what you love because you wanted to work 14 hour days presumably you could have worked eight hour days for somebody else with a lot better retirement plan <laughs> yeah, yeah. right so I wanted to help people actually have viable, livable, enjoyable lives from these businesses that they're starting. On the flip side, also selfishly, I wanted to be able to have these conversations with people and just was genuinely curious to be able to talk to people like Kara, like Simon Levin and Sandy Lockwood, people who've been doing it for 10 years, people who've been doing it for 40 years to say, okay, and also people who have been doing it for one year who are, you know, just recently, an uh, interview that went up um, with Diana, who owns Sample House, she literally, in the time that we recorded her interview and the moment that it went live, she left her full-time job. Like it, so she was in the crux of that discussion, of that like decision, right? Um, so that was a really, because I'm, I'm a total podcast junkie, and I felt like so many of the shows that I listened to were interviewing people that you already knew right? The people in the world who have made it big, the, the, I keep going down pottery examples, but you know, like you don't need to hear from Elon Musk. Like yeah. we know that he's doing just fine. Like he's, and so like when, when you've got these interviews with people who have made it already, quote unquote, to a certain extent, of course, in hindsight, they can look back and say, oh yeah, mortgaging my house to launch my business was totally worth it because then I sold it for millions of dollars years later. It's like, yeah, but in the moment that you were deciding to remortgage your house, like, yeah. how did you, how did you actually decide that? Because that sounds like the scariest thing on the planet. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, so it's just trying to have much like you guys are doing, you know, have real authentic conversations about what life is actually like as opposed to you know what we make it look like on instagram i think that that's i guess we shouldn't be surprised that in a time when we're not as easily able to have real conversations with anyone mm -hmm. people might start reaching out to have real conversations and you know to see we we nearly called this show with this show is nearly called a few things and and uh either we we ended up not liking the titles or the good ones were taken but this was nearly called everyday people um mm. which i'll be honest we liked that better but it was already taken but um but the, the point was um we, we weren't sure about everyday problems because we didn't want to focus on i mean it is about everyday problems of course it is yeah. but there's the whole point is you talk these things through to feel better about them and to find solutions and stuff like that. We didn't really want to kind of major in the, the challenge and in, in the toughness right. of it. And we just wanted to make it about conversations. I think that's why I really enjoyed listening to, to your show because I heard Cara listening to it mm -hmm. and your questions are really, really great because you asked the good, com you, you asked the good questions about, um, why did someone make those decisions? And you, you dig that little bit deeper, which is something that, to be honest, I am often afraid to, to do. Mm. Um, and I can't speak for Liam, who unfortunately couldn't make it today. He's got crazy um, work schedule at the moment. But no, he's, I just, he's got everyday problems. Is what he you're has everyday <laughs> problems. He really does. Yeah, he really does. Um, and that's, you know, that's that's just that's just life. 
Um, mm-hmm. But then you very kind, you invited me on to your show and we had a chat. And what was really great and what, what I really particularly like about your show is it's as much about, while you might predominantly speak to potters, mm-hmm. um, it's, it feels like it's very much about asking people, how, did, how were you brave? How, how did you decide to mm-hmm. go your own way? And what challenges came up? What challenges do you still have? um what are you doing about them uh what things do you foresee never changing you know what what things do you have to accept in order to carry on what things have got better because you've done this what things maybe have got worse because you've you've headed in the direction you wanted to and i think that's a really really cool um I I didn't feel, and maybe I'm a little bit biased because I understand a little about pottery through living with a a full-time potter, but for me, it just felt really, really universal and it felt a little bit like the conversations we like to have, but I think you ask better questions. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, To be painfully honest, I was really nervous about being an interviewer because I am perhaps quite obviously an extrovert and I tend to talk a lot and too much. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be that podcast host that I listen to who has a wonderful person that they're interviewing on the episode, but actually 80% of the episode is this host just constantly talking. It's, it is a, it to this day still is a deep seated fear that I'm like, okay, don't. (laughs) I would not be surprised. Okay. I won't speak for everyone else, but you've just described me entirely. Uh, I have that fear every single time. And I was talking to um, one of my best mates yesterday who who has been a guest on the show and he had just listened to our previous show. And he said to me, um, it was an interview with a musician called Al O'Kane. And um, Blair said to me, uh, it was a really, really good interview. He said, you, you really gave him space. You really let him speak. And that was great. And I thought, that's that's a really nice constructive thing to say are you telling me that because i don't normally let people speak (laughs) i will say having edited my own podcast it teaches it's much like when i was just starting in photography and editing all my own work you learn so much digging back through it to where like it's wonderful that we're on zoom now because i can like give non-verbal reactions to things because what i was doing initially was just recording people over a different program and I would mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like and, and react to what they were saying audibly, and then spend hours trying to correct that later. So that has that has helped. So but. you totally can you know when I'm going quiet and nodding and smiling a lot that this is me. <laughs> what in normal conversation I would be saying things or making those noises, but you totally get it. So this is some some of this is very visual. So apologies to to listeners right now, but uh, yeah. So basically, what we're saying is making podcasts is really tough, and we deserve a round of applause, <laughs> maybe or something. Maybe I sponsorship. I mean, I wouldn't mind. <laughs> Absolutely. If anyone's listening out there, there's two two hosts here would uh, would greatly appreciate it. <laughs> Let me ask you um, a couple of questions. I don't. I've been really conscious um, when Liam and I started to to talk to people for this podcast. We started mm-hmm. like you during the COVID thing, uh, mm-hmm. but it was an, an idea that we'd had six or seven months prior to all that, and we'd we'd intended to basically it was never meant to be a podcast about the the pandemic but i don't i i would be amazed if there was an episode we've had so far where we didn't talk about it um i i look forward to a day when it doesn't come up but i I must ask you obviously you've talked about it a little bit you are a a photographer you're a wedding photographer could you maybe talk uh, a little bit about and clearly some of the answers will be a little, will be fairly obvious to us, but how, how have you been impacted over, over the last year and what does the immediate future look like for you at the moment? I don't know that I have an answer to the last one, <laughs> to be frank. Mm-hmm. Um, because in the U.S., so I'm in Chicago, just to give everybody some geography, uh, and, you know, the U.S. is going through a transition period, let's call it. You know, we're coming out of that one administration that we just had and going into one that believes in science, just not to make it political, but let's just leave it at that. Um, (laughs) 
so as far as, you know, everybody's really optimistic here right now is thinking, okay, the whole country is going to be vaccinated by May or by June. And so there's a lot of hope in the events industry specifically around we're going to be able to have events as we once knew them and always knew them uh, by July, basically. Like this summer, this fall, business as usual. I want to be optimistic. I also was in Italy at the beginning of COVID, which is a whole story unto itself, um, and came home in a rush because of it and was seeing all these people you know, saying, oh, okay, you know, in a month, this will be over. Let's defer the wedding a month or three months down the road. Or like, by the time we're through with summer, fall's going to be normal. Like we've, we've said all these things before. Now, granted, a year later, vaccine distribution is happening. We're in a much different place than we were this time last year, obviously. So I'm, I'm skepti skeptically optimistic, I guess. You know, we're kind of, I... I don't know if it's just the, the farming heritage of my family or where this came from, but I definitely had it ingrained in my head to plan for the worst and hope for the best kind of thing. Um, that has its shortcomings as far as a mindset and a way to approach life because you should really plan to actually be successful. Like, I still have this problem. I do that. I mean, I was just having this conversation the other day with Francesca. Like, we we're both very, you know, risk averse, ironically, for being entrepreneurs. And that limits you so much in terms of like, when we're looking at finances and making decisions and stuff like that, we're looking at problems that might be six months down the road and making decisions now because of that fear. And it's like, hold on a second. Like we're talking about something six months down the road. Maybe we should be a little more confident in ourselves <laughs> that, you know, um, so yeah. So, uh, it's so hard to sum up. Um, I mean, to put it into a bigger perspective. So I have, I've had my business for 11 years. We have two separate brands, one side of its weddings and social and families and what you would expect of most photographers on the, the gram these days. And then the other side of it's corporate. And so the bigger hit in some ways was the loss of all of our corporate clients, because those are the events that aren't coming back, you know, weddings, people, made changes. They had small things in backyards. We had little things still kind of happening or people, um, you know, from a personal life standpoint, they can choose how much risk they're willing to take, uh, and still have these events. Whereas corporate events, you know, the sales forces of the world, who's a big client of ours, like they're not putting their name on a, a gathering of 50 people even anytime soon, let alone the 15,000 person convention we used to photograph. So it's, yeah, it's, it's being, depending on who I talk to, I curb it more optimistically or the other, you know, but it's, I started my business in the recession and this has been the most difficult year ever. I started, I've always run my business uh, cash positive, so I've never taken out a loan. Um, right. I worked two crappy jobs while I started my business 11 years ago, but also that was when I was, you know, 23. So you could somehow survive off five hours of sleep or four hours of sleep and get up and make people coffee in the morning and then put in a full day at your computer and then go nanny for somebody and go to bed at nine or 10 o'clock and get up at 3 a.m. and do it all over again. I don't really want to have to do that <laughs> again. Like 10 years later, it's just not happening. Um, so yeah, so like COVID was the first time I ever took out a loan for, wow. for the business. Um, so it, it's been weird. It's just a weird, and in that, in a, in a positive, on the positive note, so I, like I said, I was in Italy at the beginning of COVID because I was actually taking a sabbatical, which is a super luxurious word to use and a super luxurious time to have been able to do. Um, at that point, I was right at the 10-year marker of my business. Uh, some personal life stuff had changed. Things were just kind of whatever. And so I was like, you know what? I need to slow down. 
I was obsessed already with pottery again at that point, and I had gotten accepted into a three-month program in Italy to study under the glorious Sandy Lockwood. Um, and so I, I took the opportunity and I ran with it. And so in some ways, I feel very lucky in the sense of I was already mentally in this space where I was taking a step back and looking at what I was doing and looking at the business and going, how has this served my life? How has it not served my life? What changes do I need to make if I want to keep doing this for the long haul? You know, because it's it, the events industry gets a really bad rep, I think, in the world as far as weddings are a luxury, right? Like they are, we're not, we're not working for Pfizer. We're not creating vaccines. We're not curing cancer. We're throwing parties. I, believe in the power of our communities and of people gathering together and how impactful that can be on your life when you are, you know, looking out on a room of all your loved ones, realizing they all showed up for you and you alone and the two of you, and they support the two of you and all that. That's a really powerful thing. But also having, you know, custom linens on the table and stunning decor and floral and everything like that's, you don't have to have that necessarily. Right. Yeah. So, um, so, and I, I kind of always struggled with that. And so I completely forgot where I was going with that tangent on <laughs> weddings. Yeah. yeah. No, listen, that, that's cool. That's, um, that's, uh, c conveniently I can dive in with something selfishly. Wonderful. You are Wonderful. Because I just listening to you that I, I, I completely get everything that you, everything that you just said. And, um, we'll circle back around, I, I think in a minute to, to, you know, the first time you had to, to take a loan out, that, that's a, I mean, that's a pretty big mm. sign that things are tough. Um, and in fact, you and I talked on your podcast about uh, the financial crisis the first time around, and I was in the industry where it all came down. I saw the, the beginnings of it. And yeah, this, you, the good news at the end of that conversation was eventually some time passed and then we all kind of not forgot about it. There was some lasting damage done, but actually it was surprisingly quick, really how most of the population were able to move on with their lives. And it sort of became a thing of the past. And, you know, we can only hope that that's exactly what will happen here because we'll get, we'll get through it. But you just mentioned something, um, something else that really struck me. I have never ever thought of, okay, so you see weddings on TV that are like big Hollywood, um, yeah. you know, massive, massive things, hundreds and hundreds of people. In fact, uh, my, my, my sisters who I've got three of them, they're a little older than me and they had their weddings in the, in the eighties, nineties, and they were big traditional massive church to two of them had the, the biggest church in, in the, in Taunton and like, Every, there was people at those weddings that I'm sure my sisters have probably never met before, you know, relatives so distant. Yeah. Um, that, your, you know, your you dad's co-workers, son, whatever, yeah. whatever. Yep. Absolutely. Like, so, so super huge. So, I mean, I guess they, looking back, they seem like big, luxurious things and they're wonderful days. But even then, I've never thought of them as something that was... Uh, and I know you weren't for a second suggesting that these things are not necessary, but I didn't even really think about them as being um, sort of super luxurious. And I wonder if, because you, you, you said that you're an extrovert, but you're also someone who's, um, who's clearly quite reflective and compassionate. And also you said you're risk averse. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if maybe you, you're not given yourself enough permission to, you know, you, your industry is something that I think is so, 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 so important and um you know so it's a thing that okay even the, the most luxurious ones are something you do once well in many cases once in a lifetime mm -hmm. and you know if you can't do it then whatever it is you know then 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 when can you do it it's just interesting sure. to i don't know, know that i've ever talked to a wedding photographer specifically about wedding photography and it's part in society. So that was an interesting observation that you made about it just there. And uh, I still think it's super powerful in the sense of like, I know the images that I have made for the families that I've worked for, 
maybe not right now, but in 80 years will be important. Like that has always been the undercurrent for me. Um, and I'm sure that comes from my own family dynamics and experiences. And uh, I had an older sister who passed away when we were kids from leukemia because cancer sucks. Right. Um, you know, and so I'm sure that that has informed how I came into the industry in the first place. Um, but I do think it was, it was a rough transition coming from now also to be fair, I was having all of these like, uh, contemplations about my decade of work in the Hills of Tuscany. So like it didn't like I was falling in love in Tuscany. Literally it's like a very eat, pray, love moment. Uh, so let's put this all within, <laughs> within a context of why I maybe wasn't itching to come home. Um, I wonder why. <laughs> he's here now. We're good. Uh, but, um, but in that, like it was a, a very difficult thing this last year of wrapping our brains around like, parties were not essential you know in some ways parties in the u.s the the barbecues and the family gatherings where people were getting together were part of the problem in other now that's separate those parties are separate from the events that we're talking about that professionals are putting on saying like here's your mask before you walk in the door here's your hand sanitizer the tables are all spread out but it's also really difficult to assume that you're going to see people that you haven't seen at, I mean, at that point last summer for four months, three months, whatever people you love and you're supposed to stay six feet away from them. Like it's just not human nature. And so it was this real struggle with like why we're expecting people to follow the guidelines when they haven't been able to see these people. And what are you going to do when you go to somebody's wedding? You're going to hug them. Like you're happy for them. Of course you're going to hug them. Like, it, duh. <laughs> so it was just a really kind of struggle of like wanting to support this industry I've given so much time to. Ah, that was the full circle. When we first started down this whole conversation was talking just about like, I brought up the fact that the wedding industry gets a bad rep because you know, there's always these crazy stories in the media, but at the core of it, you've got a bunch of small business owners who are working their tails off. Right. Because we work 12 hour days on Saturdays. Like we work when everybody else parties and most people think we just work Saturdays, but when really you're still putting in the 40 hours a week, Monday through Friday to like run the business and do the marketing and you know, all of the stuff that actually keeps a business afloat. So, and that just takes, I mean, doing that for 10 years straight, I got to admit last summer, I really enjoyed walking my dog through the park on a Saturday or, you know, there's not that many months of good weather in the Midwest. And so actually being able to like be outside and enjoy it rather than throwing on the cocktail dress and working for 12 hours, like it was, it created some, some conflict that I still don't have the answers for, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't think we always need the answers, but and, but accepting that, like acknowledging that, accepting that in itself is a real tough job. I know that, um, yeah, it, it's funny, isn't it? When someone uh, asked me recently about, could, could I try and think of one good thing that had come out of um, the last year? And instinctively- <laughs> Well, well, so, I mean, this, this is the thing. So, so this is, I was instinctively, when I think about last year, I mean, my feelings are not good. They're, they're not happy thoughts. They are, I'm, I'm tired of this, I'm over it. I am, uh, all those things. I just, just want to move on. The, there is a global pandemic. People have died. The rest of us have had to grapple with, um, you just mentioned like that really, really difficult thing of, um, you know, physical health is affected if we go out and see people. Mental health is significantly affected if we don't. And I have sympathy for people who have broken the rules around here because I, I know that we've all got a dis we've all got a different capacity to be able to cope with life in isolation. And there's times when I've been critical of people, but then there's times when I've looked at the situation and gone, Do you know what? If I was them, I would have done that. It's so tough. So this year is not one that I would look back on and sorry, this year, meaning the last 12 months, you know, right. right. Um, and yet I 
launched a podcast. I'm in the second series of it now. Um, released an album, wrote a book. Like three things, <laughs> three things that are absolutely massive. And that's just my story. But like you have created this amazing podcast, which look, I mean, the, the, the photography with it, the artwork and stuff, it looks beautiful. It, it sounds great. Your guests are great. You've done such an amazing job of it. And you were just talking about, you know, you, you're working your butt off previously in, in your job, but maybe you've got some time to walk the dog and enjoy the sunshine. And, you know, I'm, I'm guessing that you've probably put more time into pottery than you did previously because you, cause you can maybe. Um, I don't know. So I, I think there are... No, I think there's a lot be... more silver linings. I mean, yeah. I, okay, let's put this into perspective. That coming from, and before I dig down, are the construction sounds really terrible on your... No, it's really quiet. So I hadn't Good. noticed until you pointed at them, so it's cool. Right. Good deal. So putting it into perspective, I'm a 34-year-old white woman living in the middle of Chicago in a comfortable apartment. You know, I'm in my office, so it's two bedrooms. We've got separate spaces to work. There's no kids that are doing virtual learning. Like everything I'm about to say does not even count for the parents in the world who have been trying to manage weird teaching schedules. And, you know, they probably worked their tails off for years getting their kids to be on screens less. And now their kids are required to sit in front of a computer for six hours. And so all of that is a separate entity. But I do think that if many of us and maybe people in my similar position look back at it, like, I think there are more silver linings, at least there have, there have been for me. And that's coming from somebody who, you know, has complete and total financial uncertainty. So like, if I remove that piece of it, if I had like a rich uncle or something, (laughs) if we remove that piece of it, the rest is, is pretty stinking wonderful. With the caveat, I will say, I can say this now because now my partner and I are in the same country. When we were stuck apart and he was in Italy and I was in the US and I had to hustle back here, I was angry. I was an angry, angry person for about five months because every time, just like you were saying, I saw people breaking the rules. I was like, why are you doing this? The longer you do this, the longer I can't get on a plane or he can't get on a plane because we weren't married at that point. And so, you know, eventually the EU recognized partnerships. And I think there was a campaign that started in Sweden or something that was like, love is essential. And so it was recognizing like, you might not have spousal status, but you know, it was still important. That's going to be Sweden. I'm going to say that's going to be Sweden. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or it was it was Dutch maybe or I don't know it was something, um, but that was all happening kind of at the end of last summer. So we went from March to August, just being on WhatsApp video calls twice a day, basically. Um, yeah, it was rough. So my perspective of saying there's more silver linings pretty much starts in August of 2020 right. when we when we managed to get back in the same country. And then at that point it was like, you know what? The rest of the world can do whatever the hell they want. I don't care anymore. We're good. But I wonder, we're in this, you know, happy bubble newlywed phase, but I do wonder if there's people who have been into relationships longer who could maybe take a step back and look at like, Hey, we've been able to make dinner together every night. We've been able to, uh, you know, whatever, insert whatever you want to come up with. Um, right now, I mean, would you have had the book done in the amount of time? No, not in a million years. Not in a million years, no. No, right. no way. And, you know, like, before he, thankfully, Francesco is here now, he's a brilliant cook and I don't have to do it anymore. But for the first time in 34 years of my life, last summer, I was, like, actually enjoying cooking and trying to do, like, I'm not... That is not my jam. It's a stressor. It is not a relaxing thing like it is for other people. But like, instead of, you know, looking at the credit card statement every month going, holy cow, I pay, I spend so much money at restaurants. Like for once I was finally not doing that. Like there were a lot of bad habits that got broken because, you know, you're not going out to Starbucks every morning or whatever. So. 
I, I totally get, I, I'm, I'm with you on the bad habits thing. I, well, it's been strange for, for, and again, this is all very, very specific to me, but because I, I left a 12 year corporate career just as the pandemic was starting, I can't tell what changes in the way that I feel and stuff are related specifically to starting life as a, as a self-employed person working on music and writing and things and which bits are related to the pandemic so when when things go i don't know we we get if we say back to normal it's wrong if we say you know the new normal we get told off because yeah. it can't be normal if it's new or whatever whatever happens when no masks and no distancing right yeah 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 so when, that's when, really when what that we're looking happens, for i don't know I don't know what's what's you know the, the world is going to be a very very different place for me but I think it's going to be a very different place for for everyone and and you very eloquently put Rebecca earlier on um you, you sort of alluded to the fact that it's easy you it's good to check your, your privilege and the fact is that while I have earned zero money for a year and that's tough right but I you know for, for for reasons um, personal and, and that, you know, that I don't need to go into, we're okay. You know, we, we have a house, we have food. I mean, Cara is supporting both of us at the moment, so we're incredibly fortunate that she has people who want to, to buy the things that she makes. Um, so I am, while I feel on some days very hard done by and it's all very stressful and, you know, it's it's really really hard work and like last week i just had a week of it i just felt totally overwhelmed i couldn't get myself into i just couldn't show up i couldn't get myself into a positive place um but i'm so fortunate and i realize that there are some people everyone has various levels of of uh, you know how they feel about this and why they feel that way but i know that there will be some people who've had an incredibly uncomfortable um ride w with this yeah. and i don't don't neither clearly neither of us are or, or we're both trying very strongly to say we don't want to trivialize those who, who've had a had a yeah. tough time of it but um and but i think yeah. it's a a spectrum also i mean i don't think there's anything there's there's too i'm gonna say too much talk i'm gonna judge it and say there's too much talk of the you know only good days and only being like we can recognize the privilege that we have and also still have crappy days. Absolutely. You know, like I had a yesterday, just yesterday was one of those days where I didn't have any meetings on the calendar. There was nothing there. So I was going to like knock out all of this stuff that I wanted to get done. Right. Those days that you dream of. And I hardly got anything done at all because right. we're in the middle of trying to move and with all the financial uncertainty it makes it really difficult because you've got to be really you know budget conscious and always constantly like looking at the numbers and I just uh, it's not a way that I like to live and and so I was just so my brain was so distracted by this whole moving situation that you know I got through like the first 10 minutes of the podcast episode that you'll be on for editing when I thought I was going to have the whole thing done right yeah but uh, that's that's so, I mean, that, that's just real life, isn't it? I've been on a course recently called the Make Happen course. And um, the, the, the ethos, there's kind of two important principles. The idea is that you, you bring, it's an online course, you bring to it a project that you want to get done, but that you're struggling with. And for me, I've written the book, but I need to get the proposal finished so I I can get it out to publishers and hope that someone's going to publish this book and the, the the punchline I guess is part of it is a lot of it is fear because at that point I then have to put myself out to be rejected and that's tough so I'm finding all kinds of excuses not to finish the proposal right but I'm right there with you yeah yep. so, so as you know as an artist as someone who, who puts creative work out there you'll, you'll totally get that um but there's, um, so on this course, there's two fantastic things that it, it kind of drills into you all the time. One of them is each day to just have a to-do list of one thing. Mm. So towards the, the, the most important endeavor that you are going through, the project that you're working on, just to give yourself a one item to-do list. And then no matter how, what, what mood you're in, 
if you're just going to do, even if that thing then suddenly seems like too much, if you were going to spend an hour cleaning that thing or writing that piece or whatever, do mm -hmm. half an hour, do 20 minutes. If you need to do 10 minutes, but at least you'll be 10 minutes closer than you were at the start of, you know, at the start of the day, which I really love. And it also has this ethos that um, today is a new day. So if you didn't do the one thing yesterday, then it's fine. You don't even need to acknowledge it because that was yesterday and today is a new day. So I, I'm armed. I've been doing this for several weeks. I'm armed with these brilliant philosophies. Like I'm just, you know, I'm just going to get on with it. Last week, couldn't do it. Couldn't do a thing. I was just, I just had too many. There, there was jobs that needed doing in the house. Um, there's jobs that needed doing on my car. There was all the domestic stuff as usual. Uh, car has got our hands full with, with projects that were busy. I had, you know, I was hoping to record podcasts and things, but you know, Liam's super busy and I'm super busy and the people we want to interview are super busy. And geez, I mean, it's just too much. I, I'm trying to book gigs for when the world comes back to life, but all the venues, most of them are not open yet. So they're not answering their emails. So, yep. and it, I just, it was just completely overwhelming. So I actually decided for once, and this has not come natural to me, to embrace it i just stopped for a few days i just stopped trying and i just i i got up i i washed myself i got back in my comfy clothes um i got netflix on i did have my laptop there in case i wanted to to do a bit of work and i did end up doing a bit of work but the point was i was committed to not doing any and i was totally fine if mm. for a few days i'm in a very luxurious position right now that i have no boss and no customers and i can afford to do that that again that's very specific to me but i just needed to do nothing because i just i couldn't it didn't matter even if my to-do list only had one thing on it i just couldn't do it does that make any sense at all it does and i think by accident perhaps you've just reminded me of something that i think was probably the greatest I can't say the greatest lesson of COVID because there's a lot of them, but I found that for years, all of us, I think, have always said, oh, if I just had more time, if I just had, you know, if I just had a day with no meetings, if I just had a week with no meetings, if I just could put pause on all of the demands of life, then I would be able to insert whatever yeah. project, personal goal, Blah, 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 blah. And what's funny is last year, guess what? We all had more time. Now, again, if, if you had kids at home and you were trying to homeschool, all of a sudden you had way less time. But for those of us who were working from home, whatever, all of a sudden you had all the time, none of the meetings, none of the, like, none of the distractions. And yet, you know, I think most people didn't all of a sudden learn a new language or lose 10 pounds or, you know, whatever it was, write a book. I mean, you did, but <laughs> like, and, and that, what that showed me and gratefully I was a friend of mine is a brilliant educator. She's also a wedding photographer, Erin Youngren. And she, um, I was a part of a beta course for her that she wound up launching later last year. And she was talking about this concept of, blocking it, people have talked about time blocking before right but this kind of takes it on a whole nother level where you have focus time flow time and flex time and you block out these chunks in your day preferably in your week you know beginning of the week you do the whole thing and you have to staunchly stay committed to those things right so like use your best time if you're if you're most creative if you're most focused if your best work comes out of you at eight o'clock in the morning then commit to eight o'clock in the morning if it's 2 a.m then commit to 2 a.m whatever it is be honest with yourself because most people might say like oh i do my best work at night it's like is that true or are you just procrastinating like i don't know <laughs> but but it's this concept that like you're carving out time for specific work and other things can't get into it in the sense that the big projects, the important stuff we want to do, like me getting that podcast out into the world. Now I'm working on a course for creatives to teach makers how to take better photos of their work. Um, Cause everybody on the planet needs, needs and wants to know how to take better photos. 
Um, so like writing this course for me now is my focus time. And that for me has to happen in the morning. If it doesn't happen in the morning, it's not happening because like you said, life happens the whole rest of the day. There's all the domestic needs. There's the personal stuff. There's emails. There's all of the things that get in the way, which most of us are used to structuring our day around those things. And pre COVID that was what it felt like had to happen, even though that's not actually reality. It doesn't have to happen that way. Yeah. We just let it happen that way. And what Erin and her husband, Jeff, have done and are incredibly successful business owners because of it is they first set their most important things, their focus time, and they guard that time like it is, you know, the holy grail and everything else fits around that. Client emails, I mean, they even manage their childcare schedule around their focus time because that's what is, that's what moves the needle forward for their business. And it was, I'm incredibly grateful that I learned this system because otherwise I think for the whole last year, we would have all been left with all of the time in the world and somehow be sitting here a year later going, how did I not get anything done? I mean, all we've always said is if I only had more time, if I only had more time, we had more time and yet you still didn't get it done. So the, the point of it all and the short answer would have been that I think COVID has really brought to light a lot of my own personal habits or tendencies or whatever that had nothing to do with, like that you could always blame on the outside world, but really... It, I guess the point is that it brings a heck of a lot more personal accountability, which is yeah. not a, always a thing any of us want to admit, but you know, that hopefully. Makes, yeah. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. And also, I mean, that, that sounds like that's only going to work for you if you get super honest with yourself about the things that you actually want to do. Yeah. And I mean, the last couple of years of my life has really been, about trying to define the things that I definitely don't want to do in order to find time for exploring the things that I might want to do in order to eventually lock onto the things that I definitely really want to, to do. And actually that sounds like a really good way of getting that, you know, getting honest with yourself about that. I, I like that a lot. Something that um, I think I'm pretty sure Liam and I talked about on, on a previous show was the idea of instead of to-do lists, of, I mean, write a to-do list if you must, but at the end of the day, something that I find useful to do sometimes is to write a, I did this list or a done list, call it what you want. Because yeah. I'm definitely someone who often gets to, you know, I'm making the dinner and thinking, what did I do today? Like, yeah. what did I do? But I know logically it's like, well, you weren't locked in a wardrobe somewhere, so you 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 did something. Like right, you must right. have done something. Or and where then, would yeah, the time go? How it, did that? Yeah, absolutely. And then when I sit down and I, and I actually write down what are the things that I did today, um, and actually something that's really important to me that I think we all need to talk more about is that we shouldn't be measuring ourselves purely on productivity of any kind. You know, so if if I hadn't done anything then that equally might have been exactly the right thing to do today. But in reality, I probably didn't do nothing. And when I write down the, the things, I suddenly see a list of very meaningful stuff that had to happen, of jobs that needed doing in the house that, you know, that re we require those things to happen in order for us to live healthily, yeah. happily, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah, you know, I don't well, think... Well, there's a whole nother... We've got to have a whole nother conversation episode around the the thing that i'm going working through right now and again maybe this is granddaughter of a farmer brain of that your value and the ability to succeed as a business owner and things like that is in no way connected to the hours of work that you put in and i'm saying it out loud for myself and i still don't believe it but i'm working on it you know that you don't have to put 12 hour days in in order to then make you know, whatever salary goal it is that you have or, and it's so difficult to wrap my brain around that because logically I think, well, if I don't get the work done, then how does, you know, yeah. how does the paycheck come in? Right. And I don't know, that's for someone far more tapped into the woo than I am. I think <laughs> I'm working on it. Who knows? But yeah, that's a whole nother, oh gosh. Oh, 
I think we're all working on it on some level and I'm totally with you. I have a great belief that and listen, and again, look, we're all we're all we all have different ways of working in the world, but uh for me personally, I realized a while ago that I have to be doing I have to be spending time doing things that I love and I have a belief he says hoping if I say it enough times out loud that I will really really believe it that if I if I really, really throw myself into the things that I love, that at some point it will make sense. And that, you know, like you say, you don't have to work crazy out. I mean, I don't mind the, the thing about doing something that you, that you love, maybe, is that you can spend that time and you don't notice that you're spending all that time in it because you love it. Yeah. Um, but equally, there's other things, even if you love what you do, you also need a break from it. You know, we all need a break. We all need to go on holiday. We all need to go for a walk. We all, we yep. all need these. We all or need sit these. down to dinner with your partner rather than saying, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. Just oh. let me just write this email. Let me just, let me just, right. Absolutely. Yeah. I wanted to finish on a positive. You have just, um, gone through something very exciting uh you just bought a house and ah, yes that's... i was like what is it what did i do <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I hope you're excited about it i've been excited about it when we've when we've chatted but yeah. this this is this must be good news right we're in the inspection phase so i feel like that's still maybe up for grabs being sarcastic no it is exciting i mean this is this is the thing right with COVID, with having this great pause of looking at like, okay, what have I been doing the last 10 years? And was that intentional? Was that kind of uh, keeping up with the Joneses, right? Like in anybody, I don't think it matters the industry in any career you, as you get involved in it, you realize, okay, if I want to climb the ladder, if I want to succeed by whatever the definition is of that industry, you start doing things in order to go after those goals. And we talked about this a little bit on our episode on my podcast that you start, if you're the type of person like you and I, where like you, you're actively pursuing those goals and all of a sudden you realize there's some goals on that list that you keep not getting over and over and over again. For me, what the real, the realization was in this last year was because those were goals that I didn't, I had set because they were set by the industry because that's what I thought I needed to be doing to be perceived as more right. successful, a better photographer, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. And realizing like the reason I wasn't hitting those goals is because I didn't really want them. I didn't want to have to change my life in the way it would have had to change in order to get to those goals. Um, and so, you know, total 180, uh, Obviously, besides COVID, you meet a partner, you make a life together, all this stuff is happening. And so really what we're in the place of doing is simplifying our life massively from my perspective, you know, moving out of the city, kind of lowering the stress level of the cost of living mm -hmm. in order to build the life that we want to build. Um, and so needing to have space to have a pottery studio won't be nearly as quaint and adorable as an English garden, but you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll make it, we'll make it work. So yeah, so we're, um, hopefully fingers crossed, get through this inspection phase, uh, moving to be able to have a little bit more breathing room for Francesco to start his own dream of his business. Um, and and apparently I'm in charge of marketing. So I'm going to be putting the 11 years of experience of my own business into work on the ceramic side and seeing, seeing where we can take it. I mean, it's uh, trying to create a life as two self-employed artists is not for the faint of heart. I think we're in a little bit different. This is also part of why I started that podcast in the first place. Cause most people I see are, you know, part of a partnership and have a spouse with, you know, traditional employment that kind of creates the stability for the, for somebody else to be able to like give it a go and try their hand at, at the self-employment thing. And so instead we're like, yeah, sure. Let's, uh, let's both do this and, you know, make a life. We'll see where it goes. It's, 
your guess is as good as mine. Well, I'm super excited for you because I, I just think that you're, you are doing something really brave in pursuing something that both of you love. I think you're making, I mean, it's not for anyone else to tell you whether you're doing the right or wrong thing, but I think the idea of you mo making a move out to somewhere that's going to be, it's just going to tick the boxes for you and not exactly. someone else's idea of success and things like that. It sounds so personal, you know, who, who can argue with that? I think that's, that's great. And uh, you know, every bit of luck with that. Thank you. Thank you. Also, the dog will finally have a backyard for the first time. So, you know, it's not just for us. Well, there we have it. The brilliant Rebecca Eichskara, host of The Maker's Playbook, an all-round lovely human. I don't know about you, but I always find it tremendously uplifting talking to someone who's not afraid to take some healthy risks in the pursuit of happiness. Thank you to everyone who listened to this episode, but most of all our thanks go, as usual, to our fantastic patrons, those who have gone to patreon.com forward slash Tom Cornell and donate a little bit each month to help us keep the show afloat and keep the work going on some other really important, fun, creative projects. Thank you so much, guys. You really are the best. Till next time, take care. <laughs>